0: Hi, I'm Joe. And I'm Matt. We're the NC Wine Guys. Welcome to our third episode of Cork Talk. In this episode, we visit Pachoni Vineyards in Ronda, North Carolina. Joining us in the conversation is owner Bill Pichoni and tasting room manager extraordinaire Haley Klepsick.
1: Bill is a surgeon from Chicago with a career in academic medicine. He grew up watching his grandfather make wine and got the wine bug early on.
0: Haley has been in the wine industry for a number of years and runs the day-to-day operations at Pichoni. And she's been a part of those operations since the opening of the tasting room.
1: So sit back, pour a glass, and listen. So today we are here at Pichoni Vineyards in the Swan Creek AVA of the Acton Valley in Ronda, North Carolina, looking out on the beautiful view of the Blue Ridge Mountains. And here with us today on our third episode of Cork Talk are Bill Bacchoney and Haley Klepchuk. Welcome.
2: Thank you. you.
0: So, uh, Bill, Haley, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourselves?
3: Uh, Grew up in New York, been in Chicago for many years, so I'm back and forth. I don't live in North Carolina yet. This requires a lot of energy, so I'm down here fairly often, but I still work in Chicago. And we bought this property in 2010, and we've been open to the public just over three years now.
0: Okay, so what's your day
3: job then? What's my day job? Uh, I'm a physician, I'm actually a surgeon. Okay. And I've spent most of my career in academic medicine. So this is a bit of a departure for me, I would say. uh, But it's something I've always wanted to do, and it's in the blood. And, you know, at some point, you say, I'm either going to do it now. I'm never
2: going to do it, so take a plunge. I'm, I guess, what you call a local girl from North Carolina. I grew up in the middle of the state in Elon and kind of got into the wine industry after I took an interest in it in college. Been in it now for about 10 years and am excited to be in the local wine industry and not just kind of working as a distributor as I formerly did.
0: So, Haley, what's your role here at Petroni?
2: I am the tasting room manager, but we are so small and kind of starting out that we're couple different hats, so I like to kind of have my hand in some winery stuff, some vineyard stuff, but mostly uh, focus on the tasting room. Okay,
1: great. So, talk, Bill, talk a little bit about that wine bug.
3: What, what, what drew you to wanting to own a winery? Well, uh, my grandparents uh, came from Italy. My grandfather, whose name was, believe it or not, Giuseppe, made his own wine. And I remember as a, as a young guy, seeing him in the cellar, everything was on my hand and you know, the hand pressing and everything. But it was fascinating. Growing up in an Italian household, there was always uh, wine on a dinner table. It was just part of the meal. So you kind of grew up with that. You know, people weren't overindulging. It was just part of the meal. So I've always sort of been around it and very interested in it. And uh, the interest grew, and here we are.
1: So what made you decide that North Carolina was the
3: place to play? Well, I didn't want to go to the West Coast. When I decided I wanted to go a vineyard, half the people I know said, you're crazy. The other <laughs> half, The other half said, well... You might be crazy, but you should do this on the West Coast, right? Right, of course. And the problem is, problem. But the the, the consideration was that I grew up in New York, lived in Boston for many years. Everybody, family, everybody's on the East Coast. So to transplant everything and try to go back and forth to the West Coast didn't seem ideal. So initially, honestly, I looked in the Finger Lakes region, upstate New York, which is beautiful. Yeah, Yeah. different climate. And I went to school in upstate New York. I love that part of the country. And it's gorgeous. Problem is, it gets very cold. You can't. You you just can't grow the kind of things we're growing here. I talked to. I looked at properties. Talked to a lot of the the owners, and you know they were really struggling trying to grow things like Pinot Noir. It just. It just gets. It would just kill the vines. Yeah, and they have to do like a. Throw the dirt over
1: the vine and the yes. wall to keep to keep things protected and yes. things that
3: we don't have to do here. Thankfully but. now, just to digress for a moment, in recent years they've discovered that reasoning does Riesling yes. log- logically, yes, right? It does. Uh, so they're now mostly focusing in that area, giving up on you know Cabernet Sauvignon or things like that, the sort of things I wanted to grow. So you need a warmer yeah. climate. So then you're talking about Virginia, North Carolina, and I uh, want some. Uh, conferences earlier. I remember one in particular was run by Virginia Tech, uh, Bruce O'Brien and, and company, and they were very excited. This is now going back 10 or 11 years. They were very excited about the western part of North Carolina because we had, you know, the coast is sort of muscadine region. Right. Does very well there. You know, vinifera is not going to do that well there. Right. So, but the thought was, as you get further away from the coast, higher elevations, closer to the mountains, you know, Warm days, cool nights, that it might be really an ideal place to grow vinifera, which is what I was interested in. So here we are. So I looked at a lot of properties and I drove a lot of people crazy because I wanted, uh, I had criteria. Of course. I wanted a certain acreage, I wanted magnificent views. Well, you definitely have that here. Like you just sit out on
0: the, the, the patio area, sipping wine, looking at the Blue Ridge. It's just gorgeous.
3: Yeah, it's, it, thank you. It's easy. It, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's beautiful today. Uh, So I looked at a lot of properties, very nice properties, you know, the the correct topography and this and that, but but no view. I was like, ah, you know, this is not going to work. So we finally uh, happened on this place and and snatched it. Interestingly, where we're sitting, everything up here was all woods. Okay. So it was a bit of a leap of faith. You know, I was looking at the property with people. I said, oh, yeah, you're going to have the most incredible views. And I'm, I said, really? Are you sure? You <laughs> and in fact, they were, right. sure. they were right. But we had to do a lot of uh, clearing and infrastructure before we could really appreciate things.
1: So talk about the planting and and, and what how you
3: determined what varieties you to plant. Well, uh, we touched on the fact that, you know, I'm sort of a different guy. So, so that kind of steers you in one particular direction. Uh, Italian... Heritage uh, kind of greatly influences things. But on the other hand, it's not exclusively. I mean, we're growing Merlot, which certainly grows in Italy, but it's not a traditional. Right. Cabernet Sauvignon certainly grows there, but right. it's not traditional. Chardonnay grows everywhere. Uh, but, you know, our Sangiovese, Monts Burmettino, Bermettino, Pinot Grigio, those are pretty traditional Italian grapes. And they seem to be very happy here. Um, they've, they've done
2: well. I also probably touch on it later, the one experiment I did was
3: uh, the Negro Amaro. Yes. And, and which is from the, the Apulia region, the heel. And uh, the signature wine in that part of the world is a uh, Salice Santino, which I've had and I really liked. And uh, when I talked to folks about, geez, what do you think? Everyone said, we don't know. No one's ever done that on the East Coast. People in California are, and, and interesting, most recently there's been a fair bit of plantings of it in Texas. Okay. Uh, Interesting. Know, right? Is it's like North folks, Texas. I'm not sure, but when I was, uh, you know, we're all Florida, of our vines come from California. Right, when right. you talk to the the folks out there, uh, the suppliers of the uh, of the vines, you know, we, you chat. And, they, and when I, I ordered more of the Negro Maro. And uh, when I ordered, he said, you know, if you're gonna, if you want this, you better, you better commit to it pretty soon because we're selling a bunch of stuff in Texas. And I was like, Texas, really? Yeah. Who knows? So it must be happy there too. Uh, so that was the one sort of. Relative unknown, right? So, you know, let's put some in, see how it does. You know, and it actually, it's done quite well. So, Haley, how do people
1: respond to? So, it's under the label Nero, so it's also called Nero Amora. That's it. That's the other name. How does it uh, go over in the taste room? Because people are probably not familiar with it. So, how do you explain it? What are, the, what are the reactions you get? That's kind of the fun of it.
2: People like to come out and, you know, they're having Cab Sav, they're having Chardonnay other places, and to have something that no one else has is kind of a teaching opportunity and learning opportunity, and people actually get really excited about it. We never set out to call it kind of our signature wine, but our customers have kind of labeled it our signature wine, so it's kind of been adopted as that. We've had a great response to it, so much so that we've actually been pushed to release vintages quicker than anticipated oh, wow. because it's done so well. It's a neat wine because the aromas on it are one thing um, and the flavor is a little bit different. So how would you describe each of those? So the aromas have like this kind of black pepper and spice and it's got kind of this round kind of soft but bold nose to it but on the palate it actually drinks more fruit forward a little bit lighter. You do get peppery undertones but what's fun about it is it makes it a fantastic food wine so it cuts through fatty, fatty Food, but it also adapts really well to like high acid foods. So we have experimented a lot with it and pairing it with different things when we do different events. And that introduces it to people in a different way each time. We have quite a cult following on Negro Amaro or Nero as we call it. People are excited every time we have a new release of it. It's just nice to see that people embrace something that is different. And so it kind of allows us to introduce it to a larger amount of people, but also it makes us want to kind of experiment with new things, too. Cool. So, what's your favorite pairing with Nero? So, this sounds a little crazy, but we have a a blue cheese dip that's made with white wine, blue cheese. It's got everything from, like, garlic and hot sauce in it. But it's fantastic with Nero, and so, if you don't want just a blue cheese dip, make it a blue cheese burger, and it's really good. That's great. Okay, so, we talked about
1: Talked about the view and the location and all that. So again, it's still Ronda, North Carolina. So did that did that give you some calls to pause, or was it because there were other established vineyards in the area? You thought, okay, it, this place is going to it is a wine region and it's something that is
3: going to work. I'm smiling because when I said I was going to buy this property and it was like, where? in Ronda. And they're like, where? And then there were, the half that were convinced that it wasn't absolutely crazy, that's when they decided, no, he is crazy. Uh, I mean, there were people out here, Raffalini uh, has done a wonderful job, they were here, uh, uh, Laurel Gray was here, um, but there, it's changed a lot. Now, again, we've, we bought the property, I guess, almost nine years ago, you know, fall of 10, and it has changed tremendously. We now have, uh, you know, uh, Raffalini next door, there's us. On the other side of uh, Raffalini are two more folks that are coming online. Someone recently purchased 65 acres across the street oh, wow. to okay. put vines in. Uh, Midnight Magdalena down the road. Have five. So it's really, uh, within a few years, uh, there's going to be five independent vineyards essentially within walking distance of each other. Nice. And I don't know anywhere else in the state that where you can actually say that. So I really do think, i um, Yes, I did pause there for a bit, but uh, I'm convinced that this is going to be ground zero for for the the wine country in North Carolina, and the infrastructure is going to catch up to it. You know, we draw from, like all of us, you know, Winston, Raleigh, more from Charlotte, because Charlotte's booming right now. It's only an hour away. Yep. So uh, this makes it a very nice destination to get out of the city. You really are in the country, but you're not, you're like an hour away, from, 40 minutes away from Winston.
0: Yeah, and it's really convenient to 77. You're only a few minutes oh, off of 421.
3: 421, so, 77. Uh, so, uh, so no, I think everything's going to be fine. I just um, it, it took a little bit of a leap of faith in the, in the early days, I'll <laughs> say, but uh, it's all working out very well.
1: So as a native of, of Wilkes County in this area, it's it's kind of amazing to me to see what Happening here oh, for sure. Um, having grown up here, yeah. spent okay. most of my life here. Um, it's it's very nice to see. Exciting, happen. it's very exciting. One thing that you can do to describe Rhonda, though, it's actually for the ACC, the Atlantic Coast Conference, it is the geographic center of the footprint of the conference. Is that right? So if they were going to pick a spot to have tournament games or championships, it would be Ronda. Should be not Ronda, North Carolina. Not that there's a facility here for that, but <laughs> not
0: yet. <laughs> might be something to look into. <laughs> yeah. in <laughs> so Bill, you mentioned kind of like the early days of everything here. Would you consider yourself still kind of in the early days? How long have you been open for the tasting with itself?
3: A little over three years. we just had a third year anniversary in October. yeah, it's still early days okay. I, I you know I, I joke about it you know phase different phases. I think we're sort of wrapping up phase one. phase one was was uh, all the infrastructure. I mean we had to put everything in the well right. septic the roads. Um, the building, and then the pavilion was added on. This is not going to be the final product, but this is, uh, you know, and we and we got open to the public, so that was that was huge, and uh, and it's gone very well. So, I would say it's still early days, but we're 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 over the prenatal days, and uh, <laughs> I think we're moving on to better things.
0: So, uh, what's
3: next? Then? Well, what's next is we are uh, we're doing more plantings. I know you probably passed a bunch of. The, the folks are putting uh, more road posts and stuff in. We're planning more. Um, we are uh, planning a larger facility, which will be just across the road there. I mean, that will be pretty cool. I'm nice. excited about that. I think we need what this has been a great structure to get off the sure. ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and we needed to do that. Our first vintage was 13. At some point, you have to have a facility start. Interacting with the public, getting your name out there, oh, yeah. and selling some of this stuff, right? <laughs> so that's why this happened. This was relatively quick structure put up. It's kind of cool. It serves the purpose, but we, we get maxed out. People don't like waiting very often. <laughs> People tend to be impatient. Uh, so uh, I think we need to to move this up to a bigger facility. Okay. So Haley,
1: you've been
2: here from day one, right? Day one of the tasting room. Right. So I came on board Before in day one. Yeah, <laughs> to get the tasting room ready. Yes, so I came on board in um, summer of 2015.
1: So talk about. That experience, going from because it was an unknown, it was a, no one completely, completely. So talk about that and the growth that you've seen over these last um,
2: years. It was scary to start with. It is. You, I came in and um, it was one of those things. I came in and one of the first things that grabbed me was the vineyard. It was immaculate. It was the, one of the most beautiful vineyards I had seen very well taken care of. And you could see that someone put a lot of love into it. So I knew that there was potential and that someone cared. So that was step one. But I pulled up to the temporary tasting room, which we're in right now. It was all red clay. There was no grass. There were no stairs to get into it or anything yet. So it was uh, questionable at first, but it was also kind of a blank slate. So it was like do with this what you will and so it was actually really exciting step by step we did of course landscaping and we got steps which is great and we got open to the public and it slowly grew and it has grown in three years to where like Bill said we're completely maxed out which is wonderful and um, what we've done is we've expanded outdoor space because like you guys right. said we have the most amazing view and that's what people absolutely love there's nothing better on a warm spring summer fall afternoon than sitting outside with a bottle of your favorite wine and just looking at this view, enjoying yeah. a nice cool breeze. Taking and, it all in. Yeah. And we, you know, we do some events too. We like to do got quite a few musicians who come out and do like original music and things like that. People just love sitting out and enjoying that. So luckily we have that and we've been able to expand our outdoor space so we can still do all of our tastings inside, people can enjoy outdoor space, and that has led us to where we will move on with our next step and a larger building. It's been really exciting. You know, we learned along the way. We've gotten more wines. We started out with, you know, a smaller lot of wines. We are very blessed to be 100% estate grown. And with that, we've come up with some new blends. We've been able to do some more more single varietal wines, that kind of thing. So I've been really lucky so far and everything's been great. We've had such great support of customers and we just hope to continue that.
3: One one small addition, as far as the view goes, the way we're oriented here, we have, depending on the time of year of customers are here, uh, we have phenomenal sunsets. Absolutely. I mean, early on, I still sometimes, I'll be here after hours working, and you know, at the end of the day, stop, <laughs> pop a cork, sit there and watch the sun go down. And it, it kind of makes it feel like, wow, this is really, it's really special. Yeah. Uh, again depending on the time of year you know very, in the winter it's dark right? you know, it's but uh, the falls are very nice here the leaves are changing. It's just, it's a nice time everywhere, but it's particularly nice here. It's
0: almost like that magic moment at the end of the day.
3: I love it. And you're looking over the Blue Ridge Mountains, and there's just layers of mountains and the sun. Right. It, it's, I mean, we keep, every year we keep taking pictures of it. We have hundreds of pictures of it. Same <laughs> picture. Same, same picture. Same, it picture. looks different yeah. every
2: time, we promise.
0: You should stitch them all together yeah. and see how it changes. It probably the looks the same. Calendar, coffee
2: table.
1: There you go. You know. There you go. Yeah, Something awesome. like
0: that.
2: You can't help but take a picture. And we do joke. We have this very long driveway, and it's at a lower elevation, and then you drive up the hill, and when you turn around in the parking lot, people are stunned by the view. And we just have a joke that we see a car come up the driveway, and then it takes, like, 15 minutes before anybody walks in the door because everybody stops to take pictures because it is, it's so stunningly gorgeous and I don't think people realize it. Um,
0: We're guilty of that too. We pulled up, we unloaded and Joe stopped. I saw
2: Joe stop and take a picture. Every every
1: time time I'm here, Uh it could be like a bank of fog. It's still interesting because you can't see the mountain then. It's like, but still it's an interesting aspect and just, yeah, I can't say enough about it. So on a warm summer day, you're out there right before sunset. What wine are you going to be drinking? Ah, here? who's my favorite child?
3: Yeah, <laughs> uh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, love them all. They're all different. Uh, you know, summer, hot, summer day, I'm going to tend to drink a white. Yeah. Uh, right. Burment, you know, Vermentino is is uh, is a favorite. Uh, we do our Chardonnay both uh, uh, traditional, that sees smoke, and also uh, one of the things I wanted to do, and I think it's turned out well, is to do a Chablis-style stainless steel, one mm-hmm. uh, oak chard, which I... Like a lot, Absolutely. our Pinot Grigio uh, has evolved. Or you know, it, it's you folks know this. Anybody that's in the wine world knows that it changes so much from year to year. And I really do think our our Pinot early on was like, I eh, I'm not a big Pinot guy. Yeah. People, people love it. People like Pinot yeah. Grigio. But it's actually getting better. One of the things we're doing to make it better is we've been sort of pushing this, everyone gets in the mindset of you're getting your harvest and you're following bricks, acid levels, and all that you You know, in Italy they they harvest the Pinot Grigio earlier. They don't they're not so concerned about the bricks. They want the acid. Right. And so we as we're slowly evolving into a more traditional Italian Pinot Grigio, okay. which I prefer. Uh, but it changes every year. It's it's one of the interesting things about it. And some years are you know better than others, no question about it. So, Haley, what about
2: you? Warm over day? Probably sunset. the Rosato. So, that is a That's favorite. Baby. That is my baby. That is our rosé. It's an interesting rosé because it's non-traditional. It's a rosé of Montepulciano. Done kind of in a Provence style. So, it's high acid. It's got a lot of citrus notes to it, but then some underlying red fruit flavor. So, the rosé being such a booming thing right now. Sure it's is. just something I love. And then it's crisp and cold on a hot, hot day.
0: So while we're on the topic of wines, how would you describe the style of your wine? What is it that you're trying to go with?
3: Our area of expertise is not sweet wine. Okay. Uh, And uh, I'm not saying that in a negative way. There are people who come in and they they really, truly like sweet wine. You know, we have our Bianca Dolce, which is semi-sweet. We don't do a really sweet wine. Uh, We're more traditional, really, traditional vinifera. And uh, the goal is to make the, the best wine we can, frankly, in a traditional style. So we don't do a lot of, I don't wanna use the word hooky, but you know, sort of fanciful things and all these different blends and all. Our Lottimo is a blend, uh, but that's, even that is more modeled after the Super Tuscan. So it's mostly Sangiovese, some Cab, some Merlot, and that's sort of a pet project of mine. I wanna to try to perfect that. So I would say traditional, honestly. Okay. Uh, with some, you know, we have our Moscato, our Moscato excuse me, has some bubbles semi-sweet, people like it, but we don't have anything that's very sweet. Okay.
1: So North Carolina is still a new wine region in the terms of, of the wine world. So, and given that we're in, in North Carolina in the South, do you still get people in the taste room, Haley, that it's their first time having wine and they're just curious about what's going on? So is there a lot, I'm sure there's a lot of room for
2: wine ed- education. education. Um, we do. We actually do a lot, and it's kind of exciting because I think it's very different for someone to walk into a tasting room at a vineyard where we grow and produce our own wine versus going into, say, a wine shop or a grocery store and doing a wine tasting. It is very different. They feel more connected to the product and, you know— the whole process of it and I think it's more exciting for them and it gives us the opportunity to kind of teach them about it and get them excited about the region and everything else so we have people that come from the west coast that it's really neat because it's their first time doing east coast wineries most of them are very complimentary which is exciting for us because you do have some skeptics that think that you know west Coast is superior to East Coast, but we're just different. different. We're exactly. just different. Exactly. Our cab is not a West Coast cab. It is an East Coast cab. So it's neat to introduce people. And it's also nice because we do have people that come in that will be sweet drinkers. And I love when I have a sweet drinker that says, I drink sweet wines, but I really want to try all the dry wines. And I'm like, good for you. Because like I really appreciate That's someone cool. who's willing to try something that they think they won't don't like but they're willing to give it a chance. And, and your palate changes. Yeah, and exactly. it's, it's really neat to see people's palates evolve because we do yeah. have people that come in and say, I used to drink sweet and now all I drink are really dry reds. And I was like, yeah. it's kind of cool. And so it is really neat to have um, people embrace that and get excited about the industry and want to come experience these things. So it's a cool thing. So what's, what's like the
1: one thing that sticks out in your mind that you've learned since opening. Unless oh my lord. Question. One
3: thing <laughs> or one book? Well you got you can do top. Oh my God. Oh it's uh it's a <clears throat> I love when people come and they are they're drinking wine and they're sitting outside and you know they want to meet the owner and chat and oh God I've always wanted to have him been here. I say, well, well let's talk about it. It's, it is it's uh it's a very complicated business. It's a very labor intensive business. It's a very capital intensive business, yes. And I always talk about the uh, the three-legged stool. You know, you've got the way we do it at least, you know, we, we're growing all our own grapes. So you're a farmer. Right. And all the problems right. that farmers have too much water, not enough water, the bugs, this and that. Uh, and it's very grapevines, people don't realize it's 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 not like corn. You don't plant it, come back in the fall, and harvest it. It is constantly taking care of these things. They oh. are your babies out right. So that's that's one leg. And then you then it all goes to the winery. And then the magic has to happen. And there's an enormous number of variables there. You know, new oak, one-year-old oak, no oak, stays, how long does it stay in? It, it's, it's incredible. And I knew a lot about it, but I've learned so much more since I got involved. And then, of course, the third leg of the whole thing is, is where we are, where now you've got a product, you have to present it to the public. And, and that's the hospitality industry. And that's that's really Haley. And and all three of those components have to interface they all everybody had to ask me communication Haley's over at the winery takes them checking on things uh Dustin who's our superb vineyard manager comes over to the winery he wants to you know he's in charge of growing these things he wants to see what's going yeah, on right. in the winery oh, yeah. it's important so you, you need a team that's that AOL gets along mm-hmm. and that is very invested in the project and that's what we have right now so I think we're firing all Saunders right now that's great that's great
0: Haley how what? about for you
2: What have you learned since coming in on day one of the tasting room? I don't even know. I mean it's just it's ever evolving. I mean that's what it is. You just have to go with the flow and you've got to figure out what works and what doesn't work and move on from what doesn't. So, you know, we're constantly growing and evolving and it's it's just figuring out how to do that and making it work. So
3: it's fun. One of the fun things is people be at the at the bar there, tasting work. And uh, say, wow this is this is pretty good. So where are you getting your grapes? (laughs) And I said, well, just down the hill, turn around. <laughs> you <laughs> <drag> through them. It's like, I you pass them and you drove up the hill. Uh, it's fine. Uh, speaking of different regions and uh, North Carolina, mid-Atlantic, we can even be broader than that. I think uh, it's a young wine industry. I think it's it's doing very well. It's different. And I get this reminded me when we talk about visitors from California. You know, everyone, it, it's not fair to go to Bordeaux and, and compare to the wines of Burgundy. It's just not, they're completely right. different regions. Yeah. And I think the same is true here. I uh, had a woman in it and she was trying her cab. She oh, this, oh, this is really quite good. She goes, but you know, I don't want to hurt your feelings about it. I, I like Camus better. I said, <laughs> I said, you know what? I like Camus better too. <laughs> that's, that's, this is not California. So uh, we're, we're still young and we're, we're working on our identity. Yeah, What works... Um, in this region, what can we really excel at? You know, obviously, Napa is cab country. Oregon is Pinot country. We haven't really figured out yet. A lot of things seem to do well here. Mm-hmm. And that that's the good news. Yeah. So,
1: let's talk about Vermentino. Obviously, an Italian varietal. Why did you decide to plant it? And what's the style? Well,
3: the... Uh, Haley, talk about the style. Why we wanted to plant it. I wanted some Italian whites. Um, I like Vermentino. It's not widely known. Jay Rafferty next door has done a good job of it, and that's where I, I had my first North Carolina vermentino. Mm-hmm. I right. said, well, oh, this is pretty good, so we should plant some of this stuff, and it, it's done very well. Style-wise, I'll let you handle that.
2: The way that we explain it to customers so that it is more approachable or more understandable and relatable is we tell them it's almost kind of like a softer version of a mix of a Viognier and a Sauvignon Blanc. Okay. It's got almost these floral components that come or that you experience in a Viognier but it's got some of the acid balance that you get from Sauvignon Blanc and both are soft, and softer, more kind of approachable versions of it. So we get a lot of like green apple, there's some honeysuckle to our, our vermentino but it drinks light with complexity but not overpoweringly aggressive complexity. So it's a great Light body, but very nicely crisp and enjoyable wine to have on with food or on like a warm day.
0: So. Yeah, having tasted it, that's a great explanation for it. So I mean, you you explained every detail of that. That was perfect.
2: I like it. Yeah, it's easy to explain when you like it. It's a wonderful wine. It really is. And there's a, there's so many different layers to it, but it's also well balanced. It's just an easy drinking wine with tons of flavor. So thinking
1: back across the wines that have been produced thus far, do you have one that sticks out in your mind as, a, as a, your favorite go-to pair?
2: I do. We made a Montepulciano Reserva and it was a... It wasn't an accident, but it was a... Discovered as an accident, <laughs> kind of. Anybody will tell you I'm kind of a snoop when it comes to the winery. I uh, like to go around and taste things out of our barrels and our tanks every couple of weeks just to kind of stay on top of it and taste throughout the process where the wines sure. are, how they're developing. And I was pulling some wine for a barrel tasting, trying to decide between Cabernet Sauvignon and Montepulciano. And these were our 2014 vintages. had the winemaker, uh, Stephen Rugby, pulling some wine for me and... They stacked the barrels four high, so he was kind of having to climb barrels and not going too high. And I saw one barrel that looked different, and I don't know. I think women see things that look pretty and men don't necessarily see things that way. But I said, Stephen, I want to taste out of that one barrel. And he was like, that's at the very top. And I was like, yeah, can you please pull that So Stephen climbed up, pulled wine out of that, and it happened to be uh, Montepulciano in a new French barrel. And up into that, up to that point, we had not um, used any new oak yet on the Montepulciano. And he pulled it down, and it was phenomenal. The difference in the aromas, the flavors, the body feel on the palate, everything was more intense and different, and it was. I mean, it was wonderful. So I called Bill, and I said, you're going to think I'm crazy, but I think that we should hold this one barrel, which will make about 25 cases of wine, out and bottle it separate. And he um, was like, yeah, you might be a little crazy, but um, I'll taste it next time I come down. And so we held it out. Bill tasted it, and he said...
3: Haley was a little annoyed with me, because i, I, I take you, know, i from we're tasting these wines. And I'm tasting, and I, I pause. and I was like, wow, Haley, this is real wine. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it's all real wine. Like, no, no, this is, this is like real wine. This would stand up with anything from California and, or Italy, or, and we were, I was totally enamored with it. So, yes, we did bottle it separately flew out the door, mm-hmm. and we got to make more of that stuff. So, so it was really quite good.
1: So is that your top pick,
3: too? Uh, it is of the all-time greats. So I think uh, on a daily basis, I really like the San um, I'm very, very yes. happy with that wine. and It's just an easy drinking, you know, it's fun just to sit there and drink it. It's great to have a pizza. It's just a nice, balanced wine. So on a day-to-day basis, if I was going to Grab a glass of red wine. They're all wonderful, of course. are favorite child. I would probably reach for the Sandy Amazing. I
1: think I'd probably agree with you. That's the fourteen in particular was has been was my favorite. Very, good,
3: very
1: uh, good. Fifteen, it's doing very well, and I think it's given more time, it's just going to keep getting better. It is, so. and
2: that's what the thing about our reds is you know we are a young vineyard, and we're excited with each new vintage because we're able to see how the vines are producing more mature fruit, which is producing more mature wines. So. We're seeing kind of how they're evolving in the bottle, and they're just getting better with each vintage. So, you know, the 14 ended up being absolutely great, and the 15 is already ahead of where the 14 was at that stage, so we just can't wait. We're really excited about it.
1: 15 was that Goldilocks year in most of North Carolina, so it's a great growing um, year, yes. Especially for the Reds. So it was, yeah. Lots of those are out, coming out, so uh, definitely something folks need to check out. And 14 was a pretty good year, too, for.
0: So let's talk a little bit about Wine Club for a moment. Uh, You guys have a wine club. We're we're members of it as well. So uh, it's kind of a new... new thing for you guys. Tell us a little bit about it.
2: Yeah, we have had our wine club now for a little over, I think, a year and a half, close to two years. When we started out, we knew we wanted to do a wine club, but we wanted to wait a little while to make sure that when we rolled it out, we did it right. Wine clubs can be kind of tricky. Some people offer free tastings, free glasses, discounts, things like that, and we really wanted ours to be uncomplicated um, because sometimes you have different tiers and different case clubs and you know, barrel clubs, and it just gets very complicated. So we try to make it really simple, and so we decided there's no member fee. It literally is you just pay for the wine you pick up, and it's a quarterly thing that goes with the seasons. Um, And what we like to do is introduce um, new vintages to our wine club members first. So we tend to release new vintage wines in uh, wine club uh, packets every quarter before they're actually released to the public. So we like to give get some feedback from our wine club members on those wines. Um, I think it's an asset for us to to get that. We know that our wine club members are, are loyal customers. We love having them. Um, a lot of them have been with us from the beginning. As soon as we had started wine club, they joined. And it's always exciting when people want to sign up for wine club because it just means they love your wine and they want to continue to come visit us. They want to continue to receive the wine, drink the wine. And it's something that is just... Exciting because they want to grow with us.
0: I think one of the uh, the more standout things about your wine club is the box that the wine comes
3: in. Ha. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: <laughs> Bill's kind of responsible for the box.
3: Yeah, we do. I do a lot of things. Uh, I also wear a few hats.
2: Uh,
3: <laughs> oh, we found these, and I, I, just, I just think they're great. So uh, your your listeners will have to come by and and uh, <laughs> view a box. You don't have to buy anything. Just come by and see the box. They are quite nice. Uh, we don't. Uh, in a, a broader philosophy of the, uh, on the business side of things, we're not, uh, for lack of a better word, we're not hard sell. We don't you know, charge people to get in the wine club and membership fees and this kind of stuff. My, my philosophy, right or wrong, is that the wine should sell itself. Mm-hmm. The product should sell itself. We don't push people. Uh, if they like it, they'll buy it. If they don't like it, they'll go somewhere else and that's fine too. But, uh, and that's sort of the goal. Now, you know, I have no marketing background. You know, I'm a doctor, but uh, maybe I'm wrong, um, but I think we're doing pretty well so far with that philosophy.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. The product has to speak for itself, otherwise... Absolutely, Yeah. absolutely.
1: So switching gears a little bit, so Haley, you're, you've been involved with the Wine Growers Association and recently elected vice president of that organization. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of that organization and what it does for the wine industry in North Carolina.
2: What's great about that organization is it's reaching out to people in the industry to, one, help them. You know, we are all in a time where the industry is growing. We're all trying new things. We're trying to figure out what the identity of the state is when it comes to wine, growing, producing, and marketing. What the Wine Growers does is it provides uh, educational resources to owners in the area. We put on a conference every year where we try to bring in experts from around the country, sometimes further internationally, to talk about different subjects in different areas, anywhere from business, marketing, uh, viticulture, and the enology aspect of it so it is just helping to address issues that there may be in the vineyard or in the winery or how to promote a business or how to produce a brand market a brand and we're also Working on different ways to give resources to people who want to get into the industry. So we have a lot of people who are just now entering this industry that want to know how to get started, where to start, whether they buy grapes, whether they plant grapes, that kind of thing. So
1: we've talked about this a little bit, but what's something, Bill, that you think really differentiates children vineyards from other folks in the, in the- this area in, in North Carolina and the East Coast.
3: Um, that's a tough one because you know the folks that I've interacted with, um, you know, the other local vineyard owners are are very invested, and I think they too want to turn out the best product that they can. They want to see the industry grow. So to say that we're unique would, would be not honest, quite frankly, and. Uh, uh, I think what we've got going for us are uh, phenomenal views, great staff, I mean, we've really got a great, great team right now working on this place. And, uh, and, and the product is good and getting better. And, and we're committed. So not that folks around are not, they are. Right. But I, I think we're, uh, we are clearly in this for the long haul. And uh, if the past three years are any indicator uh, it's it's going to really take off, so which is exciting. Excellent. So Haley, anything else you'd like to add to that, as
2: far as differentiation and um, uniqueness? I think that we just one thing that we do is like Bill said with the staff. We have a great staff, and I think our staff takes a true, genuine interest in what they're doing, and they really like telling everybody about our story, and that involves you know how we grow vines here the grapes everything to the winery to the bottle and it's a true tasting room we like to teach people about stuff and we love having people ask questions us being able to answer them and you don't always get that everywhere so we're kind of an experience where when you come here You won't just read off a tasting sheet, and we won't just read off a tasting sheet either. We'll tell you anything you you ask and want to know if we have the answer. We want people to come here and experience the true vineyard and then be able to sit out here with their favorite wine and then enjoy the view and everything.
0: That's great. So we're kind of winding down a little bit on the questions here, but uh, one more thing I wanted to ask was, if you had to, uh, what do you want people to know? When they come here to visit the chunky.
3: Oh my goodness! Uh, I want them to know how much hard work went into this place uh, and continues to go into this place, uh, and how committed the staff is, and and we are committed to uh, to really working on making the best possible wine that we can. Uh, we're not we're not going to bottle something just to get on the shelf so we can sell it. You know, if we don't think it's there, it's not going to get to the shelf. And. Rightly or wrongly, right? Right. economically, I think you know we're we're building a brand, we're building a name. Yeah. So I think it's very important for people to have a good experience when they come here, because uh, they tell their friends. We had so many people yesterday that had never been here before, and it, it's it's fun just to say, oh my God, we didn't know you guys were here. it's it's, it's exciting. So uh, and we want to keep that excitement uh, going. As I, my two sons are very incessant. They have real day jobs, but they're also very, very helpful and, and have been helpful with this whole project, and as I tell them, I said, you know, our, we've done a great job, collectively, us, the staff, everybody. Uh, uh, our job now is to keep that momentum going, keep making right. the wines better and better, you know, and keep you know, landscaping, making a place look prettier and prettier, and, and that's, that's where we are, that's where we're going. Well, we're big fans of Haley and know
1: that she's a big part of the success here, so, um, I'm
2: sure
0: she has tons of ideas on how to keep, keep that going. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh,
2: yes. Let's cool. they don't run out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, Haley, how about for you? What do you want people to know when they come visit?
2: I don't know if I really want people to know anything specific. I just want people to come and have a good time. I really want people to know we want them here. We want them to come enjoy the wine, enjoy the experience, and just have a good time. We are, we're blessed with having new people. We're blessed with having a ton of repeat customers. We love everybody being kind of a part of the family, the Pichoni family. So just keep coming, keep visiting us. We enjoy seeing everyone's smiling faces.
0: So any parting words of wisdom?
3: Uh, Don't buy a vineyard? No. (laughs) (laughs) That
1: seems to be a common thing.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Know what you're getting into. I mean, I did. I did a lot of research and stuff on this before. It wasn't as as uh, spontaneous as it may seem to some people, but uh, truly, people. It's a it's an exciting industry. It's incredibly rewarding. It is so much fun to be out there on a nice day and see people truly enjoying themselves and drinking a wine that was produced here. It, it, it's very exciting. However, know what you're getting into. So talk to people, uh, go to the NC Winegrowers meeting, and hear what they have to say about things. Uh, and, uh, and if you're still interested, do it.
0: Do it. It's exciting. Well, Bill, Haley, thank you very much for the time today. We appreciate it, um, and we'll definitely be back. We're going to be kind of continuing on our series, and great, we'll hit you great. up again. My yes, pleasure. Thanks. thanks for having us. Thanks so much. Thank you.
1: That concludes our third episode of Cork Talk.
0: Thanks again to Bill Piccioni and Haley Klepsik for hosting this. We look forward to future visits with them. And
1: if you liked this episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and a
0: review. This helps others find our podcast. And don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at NC Wine Guys.
1: Until next time, and remember, a cork only talks when it's out of the bottle. Cheers!